Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for These are not motivational gifts. These are ministry people. I have the gift. I'm the ministry gift of a pastor teacher. That's my role. Given by God. Not unique. Lots of those around. Nothing special. Didn't earn it. It's a gift. Well, what is my role? Every church has a number of these pastor teachers. Take a look at verse 12. What's my role? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How is the body of Christ to be built up and edified? Some people have thought that it was the sole job of the pastor to minister to people. In today's message, Pastor Mark shows that this is a completely unbiblical assumption. Pastor Mark uses Ephesians 4 to correct this erroneous view that the pastor is to do all of the work. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, a pastor's job is to equip us so that we can do the work of the ministry. So, are you fulfilling your role as a minister of Christ? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Best Fed, Best Loved People. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. You'll love the study today because it talks about who you are. Matthew, chapter 14. Today's teaching is about three special things the need, the resources, and the result. We live in a different world. Speaking about a person with a need, listen to this. Pastor Mark, I was a prodigal for years, but now for the last four years, I walk in a very committed path as a Christian. There were many things that attributed to my walking away from God, and she went and listed those. That's not important this morning. But overwhelmed, one day I simply quit. I walked away from God, thinking I would never be of any use to him again. Amazingly, God followed me everywhere. I know his heart broke for the one that goes astray. How my heart broke when I experienced his mercy that lovingly led me back to him. You see, without God, I'd been living in a desert, and that's not a safe place to live. The Lord put within me, since coming back, such an incredible hunger for his word. It was a special moment when I experienced God's love breaking through again, and Thank God I had the good sense to trust his leading and return to him. One day I picked up my Bible and read the story about the prodigal son. In a quiet moment, God said to me, just come back to me. I forgive you. My arms are waiting to hold you again. In fact, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. 
Pastor Mark, I have tears in my eyes as I type this message to you. What a wonderful God we serve. He's my God, yet I can't express in words how much I appreciate him as a father to me. In this email is a lot of history of life. You see, in our lives, there's four phases to all of our lives. There's birth. All of you have been born. Then there's this thing called life. We only get one shot at it. We don't get to come back and try it again. This is it. There's no practice round. And Julie writes about her need. Where she walked away from God one day because of all these circumstances. And I read it. Amazing stuff. But she came back to God. Well, you see, phase one is birth. And phase two is this life. Phase three is death. You were born. You're living now. You will die. No exceptions. Pastor Mark, you said three phases? No, I said four phases. Because after death is eternity. Birth, life, death, eternity. Well, where will you spend eternity? It depends on whether you have your need and needs met. We'll see during the teaching today, God wants to supply everything you need in your life. Everything. But the greatest need all of us have is for forgiveness. That's what Julie experienced. She walked away from God, but God said, come on home. I'll forgive you. In our teaching today, we're going to see the compassion of Jesus. We're going to see the disciples learning some lessons. And then we're going to see this, well, this incredible thing of creation. We begin in Matthew 14, verse 13. Now, when Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. In hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Herod, the Tetrarch, the ruler over this area of Israel, heard about the miracles of Jesus, and he believed it was John the Baptist who would be headed, come back to life. Well, we know that isn't true, but Jesus heard of this. And because of this, and we know from one of the other Gospels, actually this story of feeding the 5,000 is every single Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I have little insights from the other Gospels. We know that Jesus was, and his disciples were tired. In fact, one of the Gospels says that they rarely even had time to eat because the needs of people were so much. Well, Jesus, on hearing of this, says to his disciples, take this little boat, let's go to a secluded place, give us some time to meditate, rest. Certainly he's going to think about John the Baptist, and wow, that was his cousin, all the things that happened. So they get in this boat and they head off. Luke tells us they went to this beautiful area. You take a look called Bethsaida. It's a beautiful area in Israel. I've been there many times in this particular area and it's beautiful. Well, as they got in the boat and they headed across the lake, they were going to go to a kind of this secluded place. But as you can see, well, if you're on land and if you're up high enough, you can see where every boat would be. Well, about 20,000 people in total saw where Jesus' boat went. So when he gets ready to pull in the shore, expecting no one, he's faced with 20,000 people. How would you feel? Well, how many would say, well, I'd just be happy because, I, you know, it's no big deal. No, how many would say, man, I wish those people weren't there. I needed rest. I needed rest. Well, you know, Jesus, he's a little different. Let me read you verse 14. What's his reaction? 
When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, Jesus said to his disciples, nice going guys, real quiet, solitary place you found. Hey, keep rowing. Find me a location where there's no people. You know, in fact, I'm sick and tired of people. They bug me to death. Now, Jesus didn't say that, did he? Would you have? Sometimes people just what? They just bug us. But he doesn't. No, you see, he was going to teach his disciples a lesson. It's a great lesson for you and I. Let's read what he really says. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. There's the need. There's the need. What is the first principle I want you to write today? Here it is. Servants often have to go the extra mile with a willing attitude. You see, ministry is, well, it's really not on the clock. Ministry is when a need is available and you're the servant, we're called to meet the need. Okay, I'll do it. No, 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 no. Servants often have to go the extra mile with a willing attitude. See, when Jesus pulled in and he wanted to rest, here's 20,000 people with needs. So he says to his disciples, without saying a word, watch me. Watch how I minister to people's needs. You see, Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Serving God is not part-time. Yes, we do need times of rest. Yes, we do have Sabbaths. But guys, when the need is there, Sometimes we just have to go the extra mile. The book of Mark gives us another little snapshot of what it really took place. Let me read it for you. Mark 6:34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You see, Jesus says as he looked at these people, these 20,000 people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, we've heard that before. What he meant was that they didn't have a teacher. They didn't have someone to guide them and care for them, take time and pains to instruct them and love them and be with them. Jesus could tell by looking at these people, they needed protection and, and provision and direction, and they needed love. I believe he sees hundreds of thousands of wonderful people, our neighbors, our friends, that are sheep, without a shepherd. They're trying to do life without God. No, they may go to church, but they're not really in a regular relationship with God. Thousands, actually hundreds of thousands of people are in need of love and to be fed spiritually and to be encouraged to do life exactly as God designed. Now notice in this verse, the very first thing that he does is he teaches them. Why? Well, because... You and I need to be fed. We need to be taught the word of God. Next thing for you to write down, it's at the bottom. All people need to be taught and loved and directed and fed and encouraged. So I need in my life to be taught, to be loved, to be directed, to be fed spiritually and to be encouraged. I often need encouragement. So do you. You see, most people around us are searching for those things. They want to know how to do life. 
They want someone to really care about them. They want to understand how to be directed, how to hear God. They absolutely need this just encouragement. Well, where will they get it? The reason these people were sheep without a shepherd is their spiritual leaders really didn't care for them. They were just people. Like Jesus, at the end of this teaching, when those people left, they were the best fed spiritually, physically, and they were loved. That was the role model that Jesus was giving. You feel you're being watched over and cared for by loving pastor or pastors. Well, how would that work in the church? Here, here we are, and Jesus is alive. He's on earth. Pretty soon he'll go. How will we carry this best-fed, best-loved kind of deal out? Keep your finger right there. Keep your finger right there. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. Scoot on down to verse 11. How will we care for people? Here's how. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastor teachers. Verse 11, our ministry people given by God to the church. These are not motivational gifts. These are ministry people. I have the gift. I'm the ministry gift of a pastor teacher. That's my role. Given by God. Not unique. Lots of those around. Nothing special. Didn't earn it. It's a gift. Well, what is my role? Every church has a number of these pastor teachers. Take a look at verse 12. What's my role? To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Because the work of the ministry isn't done by professionals. By the way, I'm not a professional. It isn't done just by full-time, quote, people on staff. It's to be done with all of you. And as you see that happening, notice how it works. Verse 13, well, how long would this process go? Well, it actually will go till Jesus comes. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, if you don't get your gift and you don't use your gift, let me just say something kindly to you. Two things. One, you'll never be fulfilled as a Christian. And two, you'll never be mature. See, maturity comes from serving. And that's what you're going to see with Jesus. Now, if you don't mature... What's the opposite of it? Well, look at verse 14. Then we'll no longer be infants. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 3, I couldn't teach you. I couldn't give you good teaching. I had to give you milk. In other words, baby stuff. Why? Because they were immature. They weren't being fed the word of God that Paul wanted to because they weren't ready for it. They weren't using it. They were just going out doing their thing. Notice, we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming. So what does that mean? Well, understand today, pastor teachers are here to teach you the word of God. As a result, you get healthy. And as you get healthy, you begin to serve because you feel fed and you feel loved. And as you serve, you're built up, you're unified, there's unity, there's maturing. You're not tossed back and forth. One good thing about being a Christian for many years, I've been a Christian over 50 years, I'm used to every wind of doctrine that comes blowing through. Some of you new Christians say, what are you talking about? 
There'll always be some crazy thing that will come through and people will run to this town and run to that town and run over here because God's moving here and it's a new thing. Well, in a few months, that all crashes and burns and most of those people lose out with God. No, you're not going to be an infant running here and there. You know, what God just wants us to do is serve with our gift, plod right here and watch him do miracles. That's what it's about. There's a new thing and I don't have time this morning. It's called the Emergent Church. And their goal through the United States now, it's a real threat. They say to us, well, you have to be relevant when you teach the Word of God. Well, amen. We are relevant. Understand this principle. The methods always change. The message never changes. So you hear them, and you hear some of them say, well, the first five books of the Bible, I don't think, they're just allegories. Careful, wind of doctrine, here we go. And you'll see today, even in some of these emergent churches, they've gone back to icons and worshiping icons and doing all, amazing. Guys, be careful. I was watching something the other day while I was exercising in my Schwinn Airdyne. And this guy was talking about faith and I liked it until he got to this point. He said, now when you know God's going to heal you and you can see that in the scripture, God's promised to, you just go to God and say, God, I demand that you heal me. I kind of got off my bike, turned the TV off and said, well, I'm not going there. Hey guys, we don't demand anything of God. That's crazy doctrine. It's dangerous doctrine. So as you mature in the Lord... What happens? Here's what you want to write. Healthy sheep reproduce. How does the church grow? Does it grow by lots of advertising? No. But how does the church really grow? It grows from you saying, here's a place, come and hear the word. Here's a place where you'll be loved. And that's what happens. When healthy sheep reproduce, God's word goes. So our priority, like Jesus, is simply the teaching of the word of God. That's what we're, that's our basis. That's what I do. And that's why you get fed. And that's why you mature. So when the next wind of doctrine comes, you go, nah, not interested. Not interested. Now, Matthew 14, look at verse 15. Now as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So here's 20,000 people. They're a long way, little teeny, out in an area, nothing around. And the disciples go, man, I hear these guys grumbling a little bit. They're hungry. Send the crowd away, they say to Jesus, so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Hmm. See, the disciples look out at the people and they go, wow, we got no way to minister to these people. You better, Jesus, send these people away. Look how Jesus replies in verse 16. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You ought to circle this in your Bible because this is the way God works. He says, You give them something to eat. Do you understand that God, by the way, let's just think about this. We know that actually in the other gospels that Jesus sent out a couple of the disciples to see what could be found and they came back with these five loaves and two fishes. And it was actually a test. But you know, before he sent them out, you know what Jesus could have done? He could have looked out on these 20,000 people and said, God, we need 20,000 bagels with cream cheese and lox, oy vey. Just provided God with a nice little bag. Could God have done that instantaneously and created that? You say, well, I don't think so. Well, yes, he could. 
I mean, he created the world in six days. What's a little bagels and locks? Big deal. But he doesn't do it. The disciples go and they come back with five loaves and two fishes. Impossible. Jesus says, take those and you go feed them. The truth of this whole story is in this next verse. Make sure you understand it. As they said, we have only five loaves and two fishes. Notice what happens. The disciples are saying to God, here's my need. What am I supposed to do with it? Look in verse 18. Jesus says what? Bring it to me. Today, the solution to your need is always, watch, bringing it to Jesus. Doesn't matter what the need. Now, really, if the disciples would have stopped and thought a moment, this five loaves and two fishes wouldn't have been a big deal to them because they had history with Jesus. By the way, do you have history serving God? Let me ask you, how many times did God fail you in your life? Never. But remember, Romans says all things work together. He comes through for us. You have history with God. What should the disciples have thought of? Was there another time that a miracle had to be performed to provide for the lack of something? Think about a wedding. Remember, Jesus is at a wedding, first miracle. They ran out of wine. All they had was these big barrels of Melbourne water. <laughs> and what did Jesus do with them? Turned them into the best wine ever. Notice what he said in that story? Bring them to moi, me. If you have a need this morning and you have history with God, quit worrying. Bring the need to Jesus. If you don't have history, start today. You will. It's the same Jesus. It's always the same answer. So as they do that, notice this next statement I want you to write. We have the need this morning. Now we have the resource. In a few moments, the result. To meet the need, Jesus used what the disciples had and combined it with the power of God. He didn't create anything from scratch. He said to his disciples, you bring me what you have. I'm going to use that and combine it with the power of God. You see, Jesus wants to involve us in the work of the ministry. And as he does it, often he has to challenge our faith. God could have changed the whole world without man. Very simply, send a few angels. But he, cha- he chose to serve the world with love through you and through me. Well, look how he did it in verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fishes. He looked up to heaven. By the way, he knew where his source was. It was God. And he gave thanks. You know, this prayer would have been a Jewish prayer at food. It goes like this. Blessed art thou, Jehovah, our God, king of the universe who bringeth forth bread, from the earth. See, he blessed the food for what he had, not for what was going to come. Be thankful for what you have. God will multiply it. What does it mean to be a true shepherd? What is the role of a pastor? In today's message, Pastor Mark corrected the misconception that it's the pastor's job to do all of the work of the ministry. As he shared from Ephesians 4, it's the pastor's job to equip the body of believers for the work of the ministry. 
In other words, we're all to do the work of the ministry, and it's the pastor's job to equip us for the task. Are you ministering? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. God doesn't need us to do His work. God could do everything by Himself and not involve us at all. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reminds us that God is quite capable of doing His work Himself. He chooses to involve us in His work. He combines His power with what we have and accomplishes His work. Are you ready to join God in His work? Listen in next time as Pastor Mark invites us to be a part of what God is doing. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear